Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Hello everyone, welcome to this podcast from the ITAM Review. My name is AJ Witt. Um, Our topic today uh, is a pretty hot topic, maybe a bit of a hypes topic as well. It's the coming impact of AI on IT asset management. Uh, we've just uh, done a, an article on this um, and it clearly it's going to be something that's being talked about um, for o- over the coming months from both tool vendors, from service providers, uh, and also ourselves. And maybe even uh, I would imagine, no doubt, uh, your bosses and your team will be saying, hey, we can just use AI, AI to do that now and, and, and having those sorts of conversations. So the aim of this really is to kind of sort of get into exactly what it is um what the impact is um answer some sort of sort of slightly kind of controversial questions about what it is and what it isn't uh what it means for our jobs um to help us discuss that uh and to uh, navigate the topic we have alex from licenseware um uh, licenseware are a tool provider alex is the founder of uh, of licenseware uh he has some very interesting perspectives on this um uh, being a relatively new entrant into the market, um, they've moved very quickly in this area. So, uh, welcome, Alex. Thank you for sharing your expertise. Um, could you just share something about yourself and uh, Licenseware for those of our who, listening who aren't familiar with you yet? Sure. Hey, AJ. Thanks for uh, having me. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this topic. So, a bit about myself. I've been active in software licensing since I started my career in 2011. So. Um, I had the opportunity to kind of go full spectrum within the ITAM space from, um, I don't know, doing vendor audits to uh, intellectual property protection campaigns to uh, consultancy work. And later, um, as curious I am for for the technology, I became more and more technical in my role to the point that I became a developer and later uh, started a company called Licenseware, uh, where we're building a platform for IT asset management, uh, which is supposed to, uh, or more exactly our mission is to commoditize uh, IT asset management tooling and make it available for everyone at every scale, irrespective of the maturity. So yeah, that's that's a bit about myself. Right, thanks Alex. Um, yeah, I, you know, on the subject of tools, um, clearly, no AI is going to be built into tools in the future, but uh, let's get let's get to the sort of nitty gritty of this. Let, let's sort of cut beyond the, the sort of the buzzwords. Uh, and when we talk about AI, what are we actually talking about? Um, you know, how's it different from sort of other things like machine learning and and so on? Um, could you sort of take us through uh, where we've got to probably in the last sort of year, eighteen months um, on this subject? Yeah, sure. So I, I think the, all of the hype uh, nowadays is mostly related to uh, generative uh, AI and mostly uh, stemmed out of uh, open AI and chat GPT. So all of the hype around it. But obviously, AI is a more of an umbrella term. Um, and unfortunately, is uh, also often associated with a lot of uh, marketing flair. 
um, and yeah, basically um, the difference between AI and machine learning is that machine learning is based just a sub branch uh, of AI, which uh, focuses on um, computer systems learning from data. Um, in very, very simple terms, uh, it's like statistics married with computer science uh, on steroids. <laughs> and uh, uh, together with uh, stuff like uh, neural networks and deep learning, uh, these technologies uh, contribute to the broader sense of uh, uh, AI, um, which in itself is, is a practice that, that focuses on building yeah, artificial intelligence to the point that it reaches uh, something called the artificial general intelligence and, and beyond, uh, where uh, these systems would be able to reason just as well as us and uh, may, maybe at some point even surpass our capabilities in every way. Yeah, you know, a lot of these things have been around for a long time, haven't they? You know, expert systems, I remember expert systems being talked about probably 10 to 15 years ago um very sort of niche specific things focused on a particular topic i guess the the difference with uh what we're now seeing with generative ai is this is is it more to do with the sort of the ui the fact you have this conversational um uh accessibility to to, to it that really kind of makes it has made the big difference it's suddenly it's suddenly mainstream open to anyone who can you know visit a website and ask a question yeah, AI is really not a new thing. I mean, uh, it's been around for decades and uh, we've seen just various waves of AI. So uh, from the early days where you just had like uh, smart computer systems to, I don't know, being able to uh, beat the, the world chess master and then uh, become... Uh, the the very best at at go and then you've seen the wave of uh, of machine learning about uh, I think it's almost been ten years now uh, which has been marketed heavily as as AI and now we see uh, generative AI taking the the spotlight and I think uh, yeah the the reason why this is uh, a really big hype, uh, probably more of a hype than all of the other waves uh, before it is because uh, for the first time, uh, this technology is uh, able to become mainstream because it's very simple to use. Uh, a text interface is uh, something that everyone understands and chatting uh, with uh, someone or something is, is very familiar to people. And I think um, over time, all of these AI waves came with some hype and then people kind of realized that, uh, yeah, we're not there yet. And um, this uh, yeah, became such a sensation because it really excelled in certain areas and people didn't really expect it to perform so well. Um, mm. And it almost went into the other extreme in the sense that you know, because it was so good in so area and in some so many areas, some people thought that maybe it's becoming like uh, I know Swiss Army knife, and they can use it for everything. And uh, all of a sudden, you've seen of an, of an explosion of these uh, AI whisperers, uh, people who know how to talk to the AI and who can train you, and uh, all of these experts that. Uh, uh, yeah, that can tell you how how you can get the best value out of uh, out of uh, ChatGPT or sy similar systems. 
Great, thanks. So let's let's get a bit more specific now. Um, what does it mean for for ITAM teams? Um, I mean, does it mean we're out of a job because an AI can do a better job at um, working out Oracle license compliance than us, for example? No, definitely not. I mean, the human component within ITAM is not going to be replaced anytime soon and probably never going to be replaced. These systems are meant to uh, yeah, help us amplify our capabilities and make us better and faster at what we're doing. Um, and I think it's just up to uh, the consultant to decide whether or not uh, they are going to ignore uh, this new technology uh, or uh, they're going to uh, embed it in their workflows. Um, mm. And while uh, yeah, this came out, I, I, I've been one of the early adopters and I've been observing quite a lot the different reactions uh, within the industry. And I've seen that it has been uh, yeah, received with a lot of curiosity, but also a lot of skepticism. Uh, there were a lot of... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, industry thought leaders that that were so quick to point out all of the flaws that they could uh, uh, that they could find and uh, yeah raise flags uh, as to not use this and oh, there's also the privacy concern. So there are many um, many areas where I think the technology is lacking. Uh, but I also feel like there's too much focus on that. Uh, we should not focus where the technology is lacking because it's not uh, it is not meant to be something that would uh, do your job for you. It is something that is just gonna simplify uh, a lot of the stuff that that, that you uh, were normally doing and spending a lot of time on. Yep, so it's that sort of addition, that additional tool in the same way as we probably, uh, I'm sure, a lot of listeners are already using automation, um, you know, for for, for, for common tasks, um, you know, passing tickets around or or automatic closing tickets, um, even allocating licenses or that, that sort of thing these days is, is automated. So, you know, you're you're doing that because that's that's a low value task as an ITAM team, right? I guess you know you don't want to be processing um, endless requests from users for another copy of Office. So, yeah. um, in, in that way. AI is just just an an additional tool in this that enables you to. I mean, I, I'm guessing are we at the stage where you could, where you as an ITAM manager could ask, um, no, a sort of a complex question about where are we at with um, compliance on on this product. Let me know which renewals are due in the next twenty days. That sort of thing. So. We are not there yet because, um, I mean, we're close to that point. It's just that uh, these technologies need to be integrated uh, and they need to be tested thoroughly to, to make sure they, they work. Uh, so far, uh, we haven't seen any player move in this space. Um, but I can, I can quote uh, a study that has been done by uh, Harvard uh, on about seven or 800 consultants. And then they observed uh, throughout an, I don't know, a variety of tasks uh, if these consultants uh, improved. And it turns out that their quality and speed uh, improved by, uh, by 40%. Uh, but it's really worth noting that I think 
uh, it affects uh, it affected uh, the most the lower uh, performing consultants where they've seen like uh, above 40 percent improvement in their speed and quality um, whereas the uh, high performing consultants were improved by by 17 percent um, so uh, for for now it's just more of a tool that helps you think uh, helps you structure your uh, your thoughts uh, helps you uh, I know, uncover some insights from small data sets, uh, helps you write copy um, or I don't know business plans, uh, processes, policies, uh, that type of stuff. Uh, helps you read contracts even, uh, but not uh, a tool that you can necessarily embed uh, with your existing SAM tool. Uh, and answer uh, uh, questions about your your data and about your uh, very very specific questions about your uh, licensing situation. Okay, thanks. Yeah, we'll come back to the contract um, thing um, in a minute. I, it, it's interesting that, that that Harvard study that suggests to me that this is a bit of a um, this is a bit of a leveler, you know, a, a bit of an equality of access. It it reminds me of sort of when LinkedIn first started, and suddenly. Um, everyone had access to really great networking. Um, you know, if you think about the days before that, some people were great networkers and could just go out and meet people and chat to them and, and build those connections. Um, for Certainly for me, as a somewhat socially inept <laughs> techie, um, I didn't have those skills back then. I'm not sure I do even now. Um, but certainly having LinkedIn there, suddenly I could connect with people and... and you know, that really, really powered up my ability to find out stuff, uh, build new connections, get help with things. So it sounds like, you know, that kind of AI is kind of that that lower level of performance, perhaps, just enables everyone to come up to more or less the same level. And then, yes, if you're really good at your job, you're still going to shine on top of that because you've got more, more time in the day to do your real sort of high-end, high-value added tasks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They they even uh, they even kind of divided in two personas, and they mm. call it centaurs and cyborgs. And uh, <laughs> a centaur is uh, someone who um, uses uh, an AI system to map a problem uh, within a given domain, or refine uh, some sort of a input that it's given, like uh, maybe some presentation bullet points or um, yeah, some some concept. And then the cyborgs are basically people that use AI in a way that uh, they make the chatbot uh, simulate or impersonate a certain personality type or a character. Mm -hmm. So you could make it impersonate uh, a software buyer, for example, or maybe make it impersonate uh, I know some some known author and write in the style of that of that person. Um, and then ask the AI to to review and edit uh, their work based on on that type of uh, yeah that type of lens. Uh, so it's it's uh, yeah it's definitely interesting how how this is branching out. Uh, but I I'm really looking forward to yeah the next advancements in this uh, area because there are going to be more and more uh, ways that you could. Uh, use these systems as the interface uh, evolves. So from text to maybe text and images to maybe text and audio and so on and so forth. Yeah. 
I wanted to get something to something very specific. Um, you, you mentioned it um, a few moments ago around contracts. Now, that that's a real challenge, I think, for um, and it's a challenge that tool providers I know have been trying to solve for quite a while. Is it's surprisingly complex to interpret a contract? No, so so a software contract, a EULA, um, uh, no license agreement or whatever. Um, where are we at with that? Because you you know generally ITAM people aren't legal people software licenses is is is, is a contract it's a legal document so are, are we getting close to being able to pull the you know the important detail out of a contract yeah definitely and I'm really excited about this because I can tell you uh, throughout my years as a consultant I think reading contracts was was one of the most soul crushing uh, <laughs> types of works that I had to do um mostly because of the way they are written and uh, um I, I from from my experience uh, at least uh, with with licenseware uh, we've been looking into this for quite some time and it was so astonishing to see how technology evolved for uh, the past two maybe three years um, we started uh, building our own model on this. So uh, we had a data scientist uh, assigned to this for over a year and we built something that we were relatively happy with it. And then uh, OpenAI came along uh, and not even ChatGPT. So prior to that, uh, so we were just playing around with the API and we realized that it was... Uh, a lot better than what we did. So we basically scraped uh, all of the work uh, that we did over a year, although we, we learned quite a lot through it, so it was not all wasted. And then a year later when ChatGPT came along uh, and then we saw the difference there as well because uh, the, the uh, initial uh, release, because we had... Uh, Kind of early access to to the the API, it was kind of finicky, and you had to prepare the data a lot. So it was still a lot of work around it, and the answers were not so great. But now, uh, yeah, which which ChatGPT, uh, it's really amazing. Uh, or like the bigger uh, uh, the other big language models that are around there, like Llama and um, other language models that that can really. Uh, read uh, text and understand it in uh, in a human way. Uh, that's that's uh, something that they really excel at. They can you can throw at them a contract or some clauses, and they they can help you write uh, different clauses uh, uh, to to match uh, whatever your contract is. They can help you extract uh, yeah different important dates or entities uh, from contracts. So. Um, a lot of the work that was related to building a tool that analyzes contract was uh, related to kind of massaging and preparing the data uh, in a way that an AI model could uh, ingest it and give you uh, good answers. But now that is being taken care of by uh, open uh, technologies like OpenAI, which are basically out, out of the um, uh, box type of technology you just plug and yeah. play. Yeah, that, that's really good to hear because, I mean, you, you, you mentioned reading them yourself. Um, of course, contracts tend to be written in English and it's hard enough for an English speaker to read them, let alone someone who's not a non-native non English speaker to interpret things. Um, and, and that's, you know, because 
most software comes from the US, so it's written in US English, maybe written in terms of US law as well. Um, so it, it's it's another great example of, of how this stuff helps you out. I wanted to move on a little bit to sort of things where we can't rely on it. And I'm going to share a couple of examples here. Um, if you, uh, those of you probably are aware now, if you've used ChatGPT, it has a disclaimer at the bottom saying, um, hey, this is only up to date until September 21, I think it is, isn't it? Um, and I mean, that's just about to change, by the way. I know they've they've updated their model and it's already out going out to paid subscribers. It's going to be it's going to suddenly be more, more up to date and be able to scrape the web live for answers. But if you currently ask ChatGPT, um, how is Oracle Java um, licensed, for example? There's no mention of the um, employee metric, which happened in January this year, of course, because it doesn't know that it hasn't scraped it yet. Um, if if you ask it about IBM licensing, it doesn't get, bring in any things to do with the recent passport advantage changes. So if you ask it about a company merger or, or new products, those things aren't there either. And, you know, technology moves, in particularly our world, move so quickly that, um, you know, you do have to pay attention to what it's telling you. To its credit, it will say, as of my current update, and uh, actually, generally, I, I did find asking ChatGPT anything to do with licensing, it has its pretty standard response saying, uh, this is what I think, but check with the company. Um, it would be nice if we get if we get to say, um, this is really good, uh, but uh, maybe you want to check with some independent ITAM consultants or something. That would be far better, I think. But um, uh, there you go. So, you know, there, there are many pitfalls, aren't there? Yeah, there are many pitfalls, uh, but uh, one thing to understand with, uh, with AI is that it's a tool and it will have some shortcomings, just like any, uh, any tool. And uh, if you really uh, use it with too much confidence, then you'll end up uh, yeah, producing some, some uh, potentially very serious mistakes in your work. Um, but uh, you really need to know when and how to leverage it. And yeah. uh, obviously, a lot of the skepticism arises from the, the data not being up to date, uh, which is true, as you pointed out, for, for chat GPT. Uh, although they are, they are moving into a more real-time type of uh, data feed, uh, there were already systems like uh, perplexity.ai, uh, which uses uh, some open AI technologies, but uh, they um, they basically scrape the web, the, the web uh, and then provide you answers based on that. Uh, and they even provide the sources of your answers. This was also one of the um, uh, one of the big concerns of uh, of ChatGPT because uh, it could uh, give you uh, wrong answers and you don't know where the answers are coming from. So obviously you cannot verify it. And that is like a big no-no in our industry. If you don't have a source or if uh, even even more so, if you don't have a credible source uh, attached to an answer, then uh, you would basically have to fact check the answer yourself, which is almost like doing the, the work all over again. Um, so I think for uh, a chatbot to work within our industry, it should, uh, it should comply to a set of uh, principles. Uh, so uh, you should uh, always base your answers on, um, on official sources. Uh, 
those sources need to be uh, available uh, as, as a reference material in, in the answers. And it should not hallucinate, uh, something which uh, happens in most uh, AI uh, or the mainstream ones. Uh, uh, it, it can give you very answers that sound really good, uh, very compelling answers uh, that can potentially make sense, but then uh, they are completely made up. Uh, and that is that is again very dangerous because if you don't fact check the answers and if you don't have the sources, then you obviously might mistaken that for for a good answer and uh, end up in a situation where uh, yeah this this backfires. Yeah, and that, that's that's absolutely the point. It's it's the same, isn't it? When we're using our traditional ITAM tools, um, you know, it, it, it's a tool. Uh, your job as an ITAM person is to use your your unique knowledge and, and experience to interpret what's coming out of that tool. You, um, because at, you know, at the end of the day, you're you're basing potentially multi-million pound, multi-million dollar um, decisions on this data, right? You know, it, it's, this isn't just a question of having some fun and finding out who the world's most expert ITAM person is. Uh, yes, we have done that. We have typed that into chat GPT. I'm not on the list. Um, <laughs> neither is Rich, which I'm really pleased about, actually. Um, he, he might be there if you ask about who the best Microsoft person is, but um, he certainly isn't in general. So, but anyway, I digress. It's um, you know, it, it, it is it is down to your ability as an ITAM manager still, um, at currently um, to interpret that data. Um, and on that subject, Alex, um, just to sort of close out uh, this podcast, uh, looking ahead, where do you see AI going with ITAM? What, what are the opportunities out there? Um, and you know, is it going to be something that's a hype and disappears, or you know, is it going to revolutionise our industry? Uh, I don't expect uh, an overnight uh, revolution in this space. Uh, for now, it's kind of a hype that it's losing a bit uh, its momentum uh, because uh, people get really excited at first, and then they realise that they still have to do work. Uh, mm -hmm. And then they're a bit disappointed about uh, about this, but I expect to see um, to see a lot of development in the uh, contract management uh, space, uh, where AI systems would uh, help you analyze contracts, uh, extract uh, uh, certain information like uh, renewal dates, uh, I don't know, uh, important clauses like audit clauses and and stuff like that, and help you uh, uh, better integrate that with your existing uh, ITAM systems. Um, I would also expect um, AI to do very well in the uh, in the chatbot, uh, but more uh, specialized chatbots like for, for licensing uh, particularly. Uh, I see a very big opportunity there because there are a lot of roles that are uh, adjacent to SAM, uh, such as such as sales and procurement, which could uh, benefit immensely from having uh, a specialized chatbot that could answer their their licensing questions. Right now, these are um, uh, from from what we've uh, found out that th these are quite big bottlenecks in in a lot of organizations where they always uh, expect uh, yeah uh, an answer from a consultant and. Uh, uh, these systems would, would basically uh, take that challenge away. 
Um, and and obviously the the holy grail would be to to uh, integrate it with with your ITAM tool, uh, and then be able to use it as an interface and ask uh, questions about your data. Sure, you have your dashboards, uh, and then you can create a dashboard for anything nowadays. But um, you can make. Uh, so many dashboards until it becomes really cluttered and it becomes uh, uh, a challenge to kind of uh, plow through your data. So if you would have a, a, an AI system that would read your data, understand your data, uh, then you could ask questions, uh, uh, you know, very specific questions or uh, uh, questions that have to do with uh, strategy uh, that you could get very, very good uh, distilled answers. Um, so a CIO level person would never go uh, and look for answers in in a dashboard. They would, they would just ask uh, a chat uh, interface. So that's yep. that's those are some of the areas where I would expect most development, but. I'm very sure that uh, there are going to be uh, more and more use cases as this uh, technology evolves. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. It's something we're going to carry on watching uh, here at the ITAM Review, and um, we'll see where we are this time next year. It will have changed rapidly, I'm, I'm sure. So um, thank you, Alex, very much for sharing all your uh, insights and, and time on this. It's uh, it's uh, every once in a while, every few years, something comes along in ITAM which does sort of change change the game a little bit and this is definitely one of those so uh, thank you for your time alex thank you for listening everyone um if you have questions or comments about this um probably the best way is to follow up on on the linkedin post that will be a, be attached to this podcast when it uh, goes live um and uh, yeah look out for more uh, from us on this subject thanks everyone